0: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
1: Hello, Giants fans, and welcome to a new edition of the Valentine's Views podcast. As we get closer and closer to the NFL Draft, I'm trying to bring uh, some different voices regarding the draft uh, to you guys, some different opinions. And today I'm joined by by one of my favorite and apparently one of the, the most sought-after draft analysts in the business these days, Emory Hunt of Football Game Plan and, and CBS Sports M. I'm, I'm glad you were able to to chisel out a few minutes for me here.
2: Well, you know, in between hopping on private jets from, you know, New York to L.A., I always got to find time for you, Ed. (laughs) All right. There you go. Hey, you know,
1: I got to ask you, do you ever track how many miles, how many how many airline miles you uh, you you accumulate, you know, going from all star game to all
2: star game? Oh, man. Yes. And and again, because, you know, I travel a lot during January, the month of January, I'm going all January. And when you see the the tally at the end, you like goodness. Like, man, I was on the move, like from <laughs> hotel stays to flights. You like, geez, so, you know, I see it the worst. And, you know, I you know, you know what I'm about to say. It's the food. It's like, man, I spent how much at what place? Like, <laughs> what did I eat? <laughs> Jeez.
1: Oh, man, there you go. You know, the hard part is when you when you travel, it's like you you, you just can't help but eat terribly. You just can't help it. <laughs> and spend too much money doing it
2: way too much man i eat five times a day on what what <laughs> Jeez!
1: oh man and uh you know just let's let's talk about your draft guide real quick your your draft guide came out recently and you folks who have never seen m's draft guide the the great thing about your draft guide yeah. is that all of your travels all of your the smaller all-star games that you get to folks if if you pay attention to the draft but you you don't still don't know the names of day three guys guys that might be undrafted free agents and you're looking at who's that guy that the Giants just drafted or signed something about him is going to be in Emory Hunt's draft guide so it's it's well worth the money and how many prospects are in this draft guide this year 1065 and there's 200 and how many draft picks 256 i think Mm -hmm. so m that's a that's a
2: lot of work for guys that are never going to play in the nfl and here's and, and and here's why it makes sense ed and i'm glad you prefaced it by saying that is you know we're at training camp last year and they bring in darren evans right the long corner uh, as an undrafted free agent out of LSU. But I was like, hey, he also played at Nichols. He was an all star at Nichols. He made it through a couple of preseasons, was a, a last cut, I believe. um But guess what he's doing now? He's balling out for the DC defenders in the XFL as a starting corner. So now you look at, wow, like, you know, these guys that, you know, may not make the NFL roster, but they're playing in the XFL or USFL,
1: USFL.
2: Or CFL, you as a fan may have a scout report. It makes you a more knowledgeable fan. Uh, It makes you more knowledgeable um, if you're looking at it from a betting perspective. You now have an idea of who's on these rosters, right? Um, But also, just from a Giants perspective, A, we know these rosters are transient. When the Giants last year brought in Makai Polk, and I'm like, whoa, that's a really good signing uh, from Baltimore because he was the leading receiver in the SEC. He was in my scouting guy last year, so you would have been able to pull up a scouting report on Makai Polk and say, hey, okay, they got somebody, you know, stashed on the practice squad. That's pretty doggone good. Andre Miller, pretty doggone good. And so that's why I like to go deep in the draft mm-hmm. uh, in terms of like the the prospects because you get uh, you get your hands um, on some, some info that no one else may have. And that makes you as the fan like, oh, I know what I'm talking about. Or, you know, you have a little bit more insight on the thought process of how they're building the team based on whom they're bringing in. Somebody's got to do it, em
1: and you are the you are the guy, you are the man, you are the one who's crazy enough to do it. So. <laughs> <laughs>
2: exactly. It's, right. a lot, dude, it's a lot though, man. That's a a thousand something prospects, bro. That's a lot. That's a lot.
1: There you go. Uh, let's uh let's so let's get into the 2023 draft class and the New York Giants a little bit. You and I talked a little bit off air before we started to record and you know that I have a question on my mind. So that's where I'm going to start. Um when when people talk about wide receiver for the Giants, you look at mock drafts and, and, and the guy who people seem to think might be available for the Giants, the guy who might fall there um, or one of the guys who might fall there is Zay Flowers out of Boston College. And we know that, you know, Flowers is a small guy. Flowers doesn't weigh a lot. Flowers has short arms and. And, you know. Physically he might resemble Wandale Robinson. And and the reaction that you get from a lot of people is, you know, a lot of fans on on Big Blue View, a lot of people in my Twitter account is you can't draft Zay Flowers to play with Wandale Robinson because they're the same guy. And I don't believe they're the same guy. I think I think there's yeah, they might be physically similar, but I don't think they're the same player. Um I'm curious what you think about that and what you would think about pairing those two players.
2: They are not the same guy. In fact, Wondell Robinson I have as a slot. Zay Flowers I have as a Z. So technically, they don't even play the same position. Um, but they are dynamic. They are explosive in all directions, and nothing is wrong with that. I mean, we've. this is what I love about football, Ed, and being around the game for so long and watching a lot before you start to play it, before you start to cover it, Right and so this is nothing new we're more contemporary currently we're seeing it done in Miami with Tyreek Hill and you know Jalen Waddle we've seen this before in history with the Marx Brothers Marks Mark Clayton and Mark Duper we saw it in Washington with the Smurfs we saw it also a little, little bit later than the Smurfs in Washington with Gary Clark and Ricky Sanders we saw it in Houston Ernest Givens Drew Hill uh, granted, Haywood Jeffries was a little bit was a taller receiver, but we've seen it with the posse uh down in, I mean, sorry, the three amigos with the Denver Broncos, Mark Jackson, um, you know, Ricky Natal, and um, what was the other guy? Uh so, name slips my mind, but there were three shorter receivers. And no one batted an eye when the Vikings did it in the late 90s with three tall receivers in Randy Moss, Chris Carter, and Jake Reed. So yeah, you could pair similar body types. There's nothing wrong with that are they doing the same thing are they bringing different skill set to the table they can be the same level of athlete but football wise Zay flowers i think does a little bit things differently than wandel i think he's a better overall football player from a receiver perspective wandel is more of a running back turn wide receiver zay flowers has always been a wide receiver so yes they're going to be doing different things yet they may both be short but my goodness Give me those two explosive guys out there on the field at the same time and and go play ball.
1: Yeah, and the thing, you know, you talk about examples through history, and the thing that I keep looking at is everybody says the Giants could benefit from, you know, the big tall guy, the big strong guy, the 50, you know, the 50-50 the, the ball catch guy. And I agree with that to an extent. But I also look at the history of Brian Dable and what he succeeded with in Buffalo. And the history of Mike Kafka and what and what they had in Kansas City with Tyreek Hill, McCole Hardman, with the tight end as the big-bodied guy, and I think it that type of move just fits the mo of what those guys have succeeded with.
2: Yeah, and think about it. They brought in the big guy in Darren ben Waller. Waller. Mm-hmm. So you had that already. You have a bigger guy in Isaiah Hodgins. Oh, by the way, you have a bigger guy coming back from injury in Colin Johnson that would have been a starter um, last year had he not gotten injured. And you also bring in some other receivers, Jameson Crowder, somebody they work with, they're very familiar with. Jeff Smith is your top off guy that can get deep down the field and get vertical with the Jets. Um, he's another one that if he's healthy, he's a sneaky option. Four team he could be this year's isaiah hodgins in terms of like wow where this guy come from we touched on makai polk and what he was able to do um at mississippi state leading the sec in receiving and andre miller who was a tight end convert um they like him as a receiver type he's another one that could surprise some so the giants potentially have a lot of the big guys on the roster already Uh, That they that people are clamoring for. So, yeah, if you could take a Zay Flowers, who I think is game and explosiveness compares to a Tyreek Hill and to how explosive he is. That's not a bad thing for the Giants, in my opinion.
1: Absolutely not. And one thing I want to talk about, how many years have you been doing the the guide at, at football game plan now?
2: I've been doing the guide since 2020, but I've been grading prospects since 2010. 2010. So, But I used to just put it out all on my YouTube channel for free. Then I got smart. It's like, you know what? (laughs) package this up in a guide and give it to people. But it also provides a little bit more depth on my thoughts as opposed to just seeing a name in a grade.
1: Right. There you go. So the reason why I ask is I want to talk a little bit about the idea of outliers in the draft. And we talked a little bit about Zay Flowers. We talked a little bit about Wondale Robinson And people get hung up on the idea that, oh, he's short, or oh, Emmanuel Forbes weighs 166 pounds, Tank Dell weighs 163 pounds, a guy like Keaton Mitchell who might be a late round pick is is tiny for a running back, I think he's 170 some odd pounds. And what I want to ask you, you know, I think Bill Parcells used to say, you know, when you draft too many, you got to be careful about drafting outliers because then you wind up with a team full of outliers and the Giants philosophy always used to be, you know, bigger is always better because bigger always wins. And, And what I guess I want to ask you is just from your travels, from your study, from what you're seeing in the NFL now, in the way the game's played is that attitude changing a little bit toward toward a guy like Tank Dell toward a guy like Emmanuel Forbes do you see the game evolving to where at least at some of those outside positions maybe people aren't as aren't as hung up on that on that size, height size weight kind of thing anymore
2: yeah you you're definitely seeing the change hell we we're talking about a, a draft that potentially could see the shortest quarterback ever taken number 1 overall um, our smallest quarterback in history in, in terms of Bryce Young, you know. And so that's how far evolved we are, you know, he may be slightly smaller than uh, Kyler Murray. So to me, when you look at how the game is played, is more along the lines of what we've always seen in the CFL to some of the elements we've seen in the Arena Football League to what we're seeing now in college football. It's a speed game. It's more of a width game. And can you use the entire width of the field? However, I will say this as the caveat. You could be, the, the there's a common denominator that you have to have. Uh, now, you could be small, but you better play big. You can be, you know, big, but you better play fast. You have to be fast, whether you're small or big. You got to be fast, but you can be small, but you have to play big, but also be fast. But you also have to be fast if you're big, but also be able to be quick and, and, and elusive and things of that nature. So being fast and being able to play above your exit above above your listed weight is always going to be that's what helps you make it as an outlier
1: so let's talk about those two particular players that i mentioned uh let's start with tank dell just what are your thoughts on on tank dell and and i know for example i think weight wise maybe the smallest wide receiver or lightest wide receiver who is really having success in the NFL might be Devontae Smith because he's 166 pounds or 70 pounds, something like that, but he's still six foot tall. He's still got length. He's got speed. Um, uh, how, how successful of an NFL player do you think tank Dell can be?
2: He, he's going to be someone that, I mean, you think about what happened with, uh, the kid out in los angeles the tutu atwell at well you know even mm-hmm. he's another smaller one right um uh, 163 kind of concerns you because we know he comes from a, a you know a, a, an fbs program where you have really good nutrition you're getting three meals and a day you're getting the supplements that you need and to be at 163 It's like man okay can we add a little bit more weight to his frame can he add more weight to his frame without losing that speed and quickness but i do feel like because of how dangerous he is as a route runner uh, especially versus zone coverage you know he can be dynamic but then you look at someone um like Tang Dell and you look at what you already have on the roster that to me would be replicating the effort because yeah he can help y'all as a kickoff returner as a punt returner but you kind of have that in wandell robinson he can help you out in a wide receiver run game, but you kind of have that in Wondell Robinson. So he's he's more along the lines of what they already have as opposed to a Zay Flowers, if you know what I mean.
1: Right, right, because Zay Flowers has a little bit more flex and can do a few more things. So let's talk about Emmanuel Forbes. I look at Forbes. I look at everything Forbes can do, and, and my gut instinct tells me that, if he was 185 pounds, he might be cornerback one in this class. Um, I'm just curious: can he succeed in the NFL at 166 pounds? And can you take this guy early in the draft? Can you take this guy at 25 at that at that weight?
2: How t- how big was Sauls Gardner? Because Sauls Gardner was another lean guy. Now he wasn't 166, you know. Uh, but he was a very lean guy that people had questions about his weight. But when you look at Emmanuel Forbes, and, and if someone's handing me his scouting report, out of all the height, weight, the you know the body density and the strengths and weaknesses, and I'm looking at how many pick sixes he had, like six pick sixes, and like
1: fourteen man. interceptions or something like that. Yeah,
2: and six like. What? Yeah, take him into it. He knows he could be what people uh, were hesitant on with. Remember uh, Rasheem Mathis? When he came out Bethune-Cookman, I think his last season at Bethune, he had 14 interceptions. Bro, I don't care what he looks like. Sight unseen. You had 14 picks last year? I'm drafting you. I, I'll i figure it out when you get here. But you know how to get to the football. And so, for somebody like Forbes, with to, to in order to have that many pick sixes, you gotta be instinctive. You gotta be around the football, which means you're doing a good job in coverage, whether that's man or zone. And you have to have great ability, uh, you know, to to really turn the ball over. How many times we've seen corners drop a potential interception only to give up a touchdown the next play or later on in that drive, right? So he don't he doesn't miss those opportunities. So when you had that ability to take the ball away and to be honest, Ed, like I feel like weight isn't the biggest, you know, like we can find ways to get you bigger, right? Um, but we can't find ways to get you around the football a little bit more so. Um, but what I would worry more about Forbes is pad level because you know, he's someone that plays like he's six five, you know, like and he's only six one because he's tall, he, he, he's long, he's rangy, he, he got to increase his pad level. But if we're playing, if we're looking at him from a how Wink Martindale would use him. Is he the one that's going to sit back and off coverage and just drive on the football? Um, how good is his press skills? Can he play bump press? Can he do a good job at the line of scrimmage? And those are the concerns I have more so than, you know, him being 166. Again, it would be hard for me to stop bringing up the six pick sixes, right? Like, those are points. I need those.
1: Yeah. And the other thing that, that people look at just with Forbes, when I look at it is he's lean. But he's not small. He's six one. He's got, I think, a ninety something percentile wingspan. He's got speed. He's got the the explosion. He's got all of those things. He's just lean,
2: and and lean at that position, is not a concern. He's not an outside linebacker. They're not running toward you, and and to be honest, when they do run toward him. He plays with reckless abandon he's throwing that 166 at the <laughs> ball carrier <laughs> right, so not worried about him on that front either yeah
1: so let's uh let's talk about let's turn our attention to one of the other positions that that keeps coming up uh, for the giants in the draft and you know they, they signed a a center in free agency the other day, but they lost John Feliciano. They lost Nick Gates. JC Hassenauer is not going to be a long term answer at center. They pretty much have to draft a center in this class. And it, we, Giants fans at this point, they know the names John Michael Schmitz, Joe Tipman, Luke Whippler, uh, Ricky Stromberg um from Michigan just how do you how do you look at this center class how do you rank these guys and and if and if it's you can you take one of these guys at 25
2: you, you listen the giants have set themselves up in a great spot in terms of where they select in the draft because there's a chance to get one of maybe five top-tier prospects at positions that they could use. It could go guard. It can go center. It can go receiver. They can go corner. Um, they potentially can go, you know, someone to, to bring pressure or whatnot, right, uh, or deep tackle or whatnot. So so for me, they could even parlay this and trade it for a position player. Hey, we'll give you this 25th pick for, for that player on your roster right now. Um, so I could see the Giants going in the, you know, multitude of directions. But in terms of the center class, like, hey, that's a, if you think that because there's a couple of ways they can go about this offensive line, you can see them take a tackle and say, hey, OK, well, we're going to put we're going to kick you down inside, uh, you know, Mr. Evan Neal and put you at right guard and put this tackle. So that way we could just get your run game dominance right there, at right guard. Or we could draft an Osiris Torrance at right guard, plug him right next to you, and then we have the ability to run the football on either side. We could rival what we already have on the roster, and Izudu and McKeithen, we love the development of those guys. So now we could just focus on center and draft the John Michael Schmidt or Juice Scruggs or Anthony Foresight out of Oregon. Um, I like Foresight a lot. Uh, Oregon's offensive line just seems to do a good job of developing players and how they play um, and the style they play. So Juice Scruggs is a guy that no one's talking about out of Penn State. You know, he's another one that's really doggone good. Mark Evans out of Arkansas Pine Bluff. He was playing left tackle for Arkansas Pine Bluff. Got to the Shrine Bowl. Came in at 6'2. And he was like, wow, he was playing left tackle at 6-2. Um, obviously, he's not going to play left tackle at 6'2 in the NFL. But they moved him inside the center. He had a fantastic week of work at the Shrine game. The reason why is now you got left tackle skill set kicked down inside it, in, on the interior. Now your pass blocking is phenomenal and you still have the footwork to get out in the run game as well. So the Giants have a lot of options. Uh on the interiors. So they could address it at 25. They could address it in the second round, third round. I think these guys are going to be around for them. So they don't have to, you know, press. But if they find the beauty of having that 25th pick or whatever pick they have that that late when they have someone specifically that they want to target and they also did a good job in free agency of stockpiling the parts on the roster filling in holes. So now with ten picks, you don't have to make ten picks. So you can take a couple of those back end picks with your twenty fifth pick, move up to get a guy you specifically want, or you can just sit pat at twenty five and just take the guy that you think, hey, this guy can help us here in twenty twenty
1: three. Yeah, I think uh I'm curious if you agree with me that one of the things I think we learned about Joe Shane last year is. That he's not going to be afraid to manipulate the board, and and you're right, he he could go up if, for example, they're sitting there and they love Zay Flowers, or they love Joey Porter Jr., or they love you know Deontay Banks or whoever, and they want to go get that guy because my guess is there's going to be a, either a wide receiver run or a cornerback run right in front of the Giants, but uh, they could go up. I love the idea if they want that offensive lineman or a D tackle or somebody, I love the idea of going down with the Bills or going down with KC a couple picks, staying in the first round, you know, and getting, getting an extra pick, which gives them even more picks to manipulate later in the draft. But I just, I'm just curious if you agree with me that, that you think we'll see Joe Shane in some way, shape or form, you know, manipulating the draft board.
2: Yeah, definitely. Because, again, I think they did a solid job in free agency on the offensive side. Right. So now you look at what their defensive needs are. Uh, Yeah, they need, you know, obviously they need a a guard or a center. Right. Um, But corner is a big question mark for them. You know, they need another guy. And so if you start to see we expect what four quarterbacks to go in the top ten. You also expect a Will Anderson to potentially go. I don't think a Jalen Carter is going to drop out of the top 10. So now you're working from picks 11 through 25. So 14 spots. Who's going to go in those 14 spots that that you could probably get a, a chance with? Do you think you can get the Christian Gonzalez, the top tier corner out of Oregon? If so, hey, we got 10 picks. We don't need all 10. We can package a couple and move up and get this one elite guy in the first round, or we sit, Pat, and let, get, let it get down to maybe 10 picks, 15 to 25 is our range. Is there an elite? Do we see, like you said, do we see the run-on offensive linemen coming? Can we get ahead of it? Who do we have number one on our board? Can we move up 10 spots and and sacrifice a few picks on the back end? Or if we sit, Pat, and like you said, we know we – let's say we want a guy that's that's falling, or we want a guy that we know is going to be there three picks from now, because people behind us, let's say Buffalo wants a running back. Let's say Dallas even wants a running back. Let's say somebody else wants to, to come up and get a B. John Robinson or a Jameer Gibbs. We can slide back two spots and still take you know, one of the premier guys on our board and pick up a, a third-round pick or something like that. I think that also is in, in place. So I, I think we're not going to see the Giants stay and just select at 25. Personally, I think we're going to see them move up or move back. It's
1: interesting. I think... I was looking at it the other day, and I don't know if you realize this, but the 25th pick, which is what the Giants have, 25th pick's been traded six straight years.
2: <laughs> I didn't see that. Like,
1: so, so, so it wouldn't surprise anybody if Joe Shane makes it seven.
2: Think about it, because you have when you. That's why a free agency is so important, because it gives you so much flexible early free agency. It gives you so much flexibility. In the draft. And and now you're sitting there like, hey man, we we've plugged up some holes. Wide receiver is not as big of a need as it is on paper that we that people may believe. So maybe we do go up and get the Zay Flowers. Maybe we do step back and say, All right, we don't need a receiver right away. We got guys that we like that we're working with. Maybe we can dangle this pick and go and get the offensive lineman that we know we know osiris torrance is not going to fall you know a couple of more spots after us so we got to go up and get them you know and so we got to go make that move i feel like they are going to move that pick and again maybe it could be for a player that a disgruntled veteran that's on somebody else's roster that could come in and start right now for the giants that they move that pick for
1: never know but it will uh it'll certainly be fun I want to back up for a second. You mentioned Evan Neal, and I get the Evan Neal questions all the time. I get the, why don't the Giants just draft another tackle and move Evan Neal inside? And and look, the way I feel about it is maybe that happens eventually, but the way that I feel about it is this is a guy that they drafted number seven overall. This is a guy they drafted because they believe he can bookend that offensive line. Now, he had a bad rookie year. I don't think he was 100% healthy, but he didn't have a great rookie year. You mentioned the idea of moving him inside. My personal belief is that it's a year too soon to do that. I think you've got to give him one more year, especially since I think he's played a different position on the offensive line now five consecutive years. So my personal opinion is leave him at right tackle. if he doesn't succeed in 2023, then you then you look to move him inside. Um, can you make the case for you know for drafting a tackle? you know, at, at 25, 27, wherever they sit for drafting a tackle and moving him inside now? Or do you think it, like I do, do you think it's too early?
2: It depends on how they view him or how they view him juxtaposed to the class. So I'll throw out a name. Dewan Jones at 6'8", 375. Perfect right tackle. Now, you draft him, it's easier to move him inside because we – what did – what did Evan Neal struggle with the most in terms of pass pro twitch inside he won't he's a little bit protected by the center and the right tackle on the outside his lack of you know twitchiness and explosiveness gets exposed so you kind of kick him inside to protect him a little bit with a standout right tackle prospect and now you get the best of both worlds because we know once evanil gets those paws on you you're getting moved. You're, you're getting moved expeditiously out the way. It's about getting those paws on you. That's the that's the question, right? So you, you kick them inside a little bit, help protect them, and now you're able to really be dominant in on both ends of offense, run and pass on both sides of the line of scrimmage. You can run uh, weak side. You can run strong side. You don't lose anything in how you know you run your offense, which means your offensive playbook is now open even more. So that's one argument. The other argument is to your point. This guy just got to see C- legs underneath him, you know. At, you know, toward the the end of the season, and and this is somebody that's building continuity. You want to give him the same voice, the same you know kind of things that he has to learn on one side. You don't want to keep moving him. Like it's great that Alabama cross trained him across the positions, but man, he needs continuity, and so he should be better at right tackle going into his second season. Especially seeing what he saw, knowing the work ethic that he has and knowing that he wants to get better and wants to be great, he should be significantly better. We saw this play out on our left side, as the coaches would say, with Andrew Thomas, right? To go from what he did as a rookie to where he is now, that's all about continuity, believing in your guy and letting your guy rock out and just continue to play through his struggles. And now look at him. He's a standout. So I can see both sides of the argument.
1: If it's you, do you think his future's inside or outside?
2: I think his future um, is, and it's a great question because I think specifically for the Giants, I think his future is on the outside because it's hard when you have a a, you could the Giants could select a stellar guard um, with their pick in the first round, and it you know it kind of helps him be a better um, right tackle. So I feel like you know he he could again I graded him as a tackle prospect. I like him as a tackle. I could see his home being a tackle because, again, we just talked about continuity and building on your foundation that you laid. And he has the want to to get better. So I could see him getting better, better and not folding into a tank.
1: All right. So let's let's get outside of round one and let's just talk about some of your favorite guys. You know, and, and consider positions that uh you know that the Giants might have a need. And and to be honest, I think you can you can argue that that you could draft just about anywhere for the Giants. You could right. draft wide receiver, you could draft, you know, they're probably a, a backup running back, a backup tight end, offensive line, pretty much anywhere on the defense could use help. So so it's an open book, really. Just give me a handful of your bang the table guys that you're pretty certain you know are not going to go day one guys that oh. you look at and say i know that guy is going to be a successful
2: player how about and this guy he's my he's my number one guard uh but he played left tackle at clemson and that's jordan mcfadden at 6'2, 295 and so you watch him dominate at left tackle but knowing how the nfl is they're not going to play you at left tackle at 6-2 but man, wouldn't he make an outstanding left guard because of his pass pro capabilities? He could be there for you in, in round two. Giants could double up on the offensive line. You can get your you can get your right guard in Osiris. I keep mentioning Osiris Torrance. See, that's why I love for the Giants to go. You get your Osiris Torrance, right guard in the first round. Man, you can get Jordan McFadden in round two or three, and now you have tremendous guards. Um I also like on on defense. Knowing, knowing Wink Martindale Knowing what he likes He likes length He likes athleticism He likes ball skills All of that he could find In a guy later in the draft um, You know In in Justin Ford Out of Montana Who Like Emmanuel Forbes Had his fair share Of interceptions Had his fair share Of pick sixes um, And did a great job Down at the Hula Bowl uh, Matching up Against You know FBS competition And he's another one That, that can You know help you out this is a this is you know a tricky one this is my guy but if i'm picking at 25 Ed, i'm taking him and we know that we talked about this before because the giants have a you know we know giants fans want them to get an inside backer i'm willing to sit back and let darian beavers be healthy and get you know because he was going to be a stud for them last year he's gonna be excellent so you nurse him back you don't have to rush him back but so him coming back healthy, you don't really have to take him in round in, in round one. You have to address that position. But my goodness, bro, if Deion Henley is there um in round two, you run up and go grab it. Because I feel you know, like he's the next Fred Warner. It's funny because
1: two months ago with Henley, I didn't see it. But the more I the more I look at it, the more I watch him run. The more I watch just the instincts and the ability the ability to run with tight ends and running backs, the more I like that idea.
2: Because it's just like, watch him down at the Senior Bowl. It was him and a guy that's now played himself, I think, in the first round. So he's going to be out of the question for the Giants, but I wouldn't mind taking him at 25-2. Darius Rush, the corner out of South Carolina. Wow, Rush that him, high? Yeah, what? Rush is – He's a remember here's why people people were so focused on his teammate cam smith rightfully so good player but rush was a former wide receiver at south carolina that made the position switch to corner so now you're thinking in terms of richard sherman you go down to the senior bowl you watch rush and you watch Deion henley make interceptions in one-on-one multiple interceptions i have never seen guys in one-on-one make interceptions because we know how that drill is set up for the defense to lose consistently. you know. But those two dudes really excel, which tells you a lot about their skill set. So for Henley, matching up against running backs, one-on-one, denying the ball, turning the ball over, rush on the other side at 6'2", 200 pounds, matching up one-on-one versus wide receivers, running these routes for these guys, uh, showing that he could press, but also showing the ball skills to turn the ball over. Man, these are options for Week martindale you the giants have to get better at creating their own offense you know can we take the ball away and i think that's the mindset that they have to have going in and finding guys that excel in that that's why i'm glad you brought up forbes that's why i'm glad we're talking about guys that can really turn the ball over um so right. those would be a, a handful of guys that i think will be my guys that i would go in. And, and quarterback here's the thing about quarterback because this is a unique year because and it's going to be a unique year until we get back to normal um the giants do need to find someone they can develop because tyrod taylor is getting up there in age although he hadn't played a lot of football but the football he has played he's been banged up
1: well it just makes sense the thing that i i i wrote about this the other day am and i didn't you know i know i interrupted you there but taylor's in in the last year of his contract they're not looking for a replacement for daniel jones but it makes so much sense from a team building financial salary cap strategy to find a guy that you can develop as your backup quarterback, a young guy for the next four years.
2: Right, because you now and the problem with that is that you're looking now at the the word development, we automatically assume young. But when you look at these guys coming out of college now, because of the COVID plus year, you're looking at oh, wow, he's 24, he's 24, he's 25. He's 20. He was like, geez, these guys are damn near veterans already. Um, but the one guy I truly like, big fan of his game, which fits what Dayball wants to do at the position, just came off winning the uh, Walter Payton Award, which is the FCS equivalent to the Heisman Trophy. I'm a big Lindsey Scott guy out of Incarnate Word. Lindsey Scott is 5'10 half, 5'11", 215 pounds, Um Threw for 60 touchdown passes last year adding corner word, rushed for another 10, rushed for another 700 something yards. Um, everywhere he's been, he's won. Like, he won the Juco National Championship uh, in, in, at East Mississippi Community College. He had signed with LSU right out of the high school. He was the Gatorade Player of the Year. He signed with LSU. They decided they brought it, they also brought in uh, Burrow to transfer. So then he transfers out. He goes to East Mississippi, wins the National Championship, goes to Uh, Missouri didn't play, transferred to Nichols. He set up, he set ridiculous records there, um, ran for over a thousand yards, threw for over 4,000 yards, then goes to Incarnate Word uh, last year and breaks insane amount of records and wins the Walter Payton Award. So, but the problem is he he was also the the second overall pick in the USFL draft by the Pittsburgh Maulers. So clearly, you know, they want his services. If he decides not to play in the NFL, but if you're a team like the Giants who has the the prototype for the the, this is what we want, the dual threat quarterback that can come in and play, you know, he's that guy. But you worry about, man, all these, I swear, all of these guys, man, are 24 to 25 years old. So how much development um, do you get or do you just kind of punt and wait until next year? To where you can fully reevaluate the position because I feel like getting a young, like people talk about getting Hendon Hooker, but Hendon Hooker is 25 already. You know
1: the the deal with Hendon Hooker, and I I'm kind of glad you brought that up. And I know you know the Giants aren't gonna draft Hendon Hooker, but there's two things about Hooker that bother me. He's 25, he's coming off the ACL. You look at the timeline for ACL recovery. He may not practice through the summer. He may not be available in training camp. So that means you're looking at a guy who's going to miss, he's already 25. He's probably going to miss his rookie year development because you're not developing during the season when the coaches don't have time for you. So you're looking at a guy who's 26 or 27 by, you know, a year from now. By the
2: time you actually get to start working with the guy and And, that's that's tough for me that's that's the problem and so there's another guy that i like that's an undrafted guy um potentially that fits the you know the the mold um sort of more the daniel jones type than the tyrod taylor type but he's a local guy connor degenhart out of new haven he's six five two twenty six and what i love about him is the fact that he started his career at holy cross and um then he transferred did two years at new Haven, which is a high level, uh, division two, uh, program. And he was at the FCS bowl. He was at the college gridiron showcase was at the tropical bowl and performed well at all three all-star games. So someone that they could, he's, but again, he might be 24. So, but they do need a third quarterback is what I'm getting at. That's the whole reason why I brought up the quarterbacks. They need someone young, that they can throw in that room that could that they can put their thumbprint on and say, hey, we molded this guy and this guy can at, at worst be our QB2.
1: Right. And I can't let you go. I can't let you go without talking about the position that is near and dear to your heart. And that, of course, being running back. And we know what the situation is with the Giants. We know they have Saquon Barkley, but right now Barkley's on the franchise tag. We know that it doesn't appear that there's negotiations going on at this point. The Giants and Barkley's camp seem to be a good ways apart in terms of assessing his value. So there's a question at this point as to whether Barkley's going to be a Giant after the 2023 season. I fully expect the Giants at some point, whether it's day two, whether it's early day three, fully expect them to go out and add to that running back room at, cause I don't think Gary Brightwell is the answer. I, I like Matt Breida, but he's not a long-term answer. They've got Jay Sean Corbin in that room, but they, but they need more and they, they need something to add to that room, you know, looking long-term. So just for me, Give me, you know, give me two or three guys, two or three guys that you're looking at in the middle of that draft that you think can be at the very least, you know, lead guys in committees or or things along that line.
2: Well, Ed, this class reminds me a lot of the 2017 class with Leonard Fournette, uh, Aaron Jones, Christian McCaffrey, uh, you know, Tariq Cohen, you know, Kareem Hunt. Really great group of backs, right? And I think this class is as deep as that group. Um, And it all depends on what they want to do at that position. So you can – there's a lot of guys that can fill that void. I I like how you brought up Keaton Mitchell, um, you know, out of East Carolina. He's an option because he has ridiculous home run hitting speed. Deuce Vaughn, the short diminutive back out of Kansas State. Kind of darren sproles like um he has the wiggle and elusiveness to make things happen doesn't need volume um you know you also look at someone that may warrant a little bit more carries but because he has such a great pro day he's now probably pushed himself up into that early round two area and that's israel ibn Akanda out of uh pit um but he has that explosive speed but it's fascinating to think about this position because I think they have to find a way to keep Saquon because that is your offense. With no Saquon, the Giants have no offense. Like literally, we saw this play out last year. They couldn't score without Saquon doing what Saquon does. So, but to your point, we we got surprised last year with Brightwell and they kept Jay Sean Corbin on the roster for the full season on the practice squad. So, Clearly there is a plan for him, but you're right. Breed is the the one that he's the veteran. He's also tends to be a little bit banged up. So they do need another guy. But I I, I listen, if you told me Deuce Brolls in an offense, you know, with with uh you know Brian Dayball and how they utilize the run running backs and what he can do um in conjunction with other backs, whew. Like, Deuce Vaughn. He, again, Deuce, yeah. Dude's Vaughn, he doesn't need much, right. man. He doesn't mm-hmm. need much. If anybody Got- has a question about his size, go mm-hmm. watch them versus Alabama. Um you know, he, he had them running all around the Superdome.
1: The one guy I want to ask you about quickly in the running back room, because I keep coming back to him. Actually, I'll ask you about two guys that I keep looking at. Um Tajay Spears and Sean Tucker. I keep I keep coming back to both of those guys in the middle in the middle rounds.
2: I, listen, I like Tucker, and and it's funny because people were all over Tucker, you know, last year. Tucker's a really good back. I think he reminds me a lot of uh, Stephen Ridley. Remember him? Um, played with the Patriots. Uh, came out of LSU. Uh, he's good. He's a good bursty back. Uh, question is about the, you know, he had a little bit banged up coming out of the season and into this draft process. Hadn't really tested like you expected him to test. Um, and I feel like he tends to go down too easily with, with one defender. Now, Spears. Spears has a unique talent of being able to find that second and third gear, almost like that re-acceleration. And that's rare for a back to have. You see guys like a Saquon be able to hit that second gear when you think he's at his top gear. Spears can dig deep. I was shocked at how he measured. I If you would have told me he was... 5'11 215 pounds. I don't like, yeah, that that looks right. But for him being 5'9, 204, I was like, wow, that's pretty impressive. Cause his running style is kind of like Brees Hall, who's 6'1, 225 but they have that long speed, they have that explosive speed. Um, I see Spears more as a foundational guy, meaning a guy that that you want starting. I don't see him as a come in, you know, for a series or two type guy. Um, which would, if you get a Spears, it would kind of signal the end, not say he's going to push him completely out the door, but it would put you know Saquon's position in, in jeopardy. But, let me throw this back at you. And here's why you have options. So let's say you're at pick 25. Let's say you know teams want running backs. If you're Buffalo, if you're Miami, do you work out a sign and trade with Saquon to the Bills for their first-round pick and a position player, or Saquon to Miami for their (laughs) – they don't have a first-round pick, but Saquon in Miami for a position player and a future first-round pick. Do you work that out with Saquon Barkley? Oh, man yeah uh, now, now, now think about that now, that that would on. fire up everybody
1: and that's a question we really haven't considered and and now I got to put that on my list of of things <laughs> I've got to write before the draft them you know that's
2: because not think about it like let's say you're the Giants and you are let's say you trade up right not on while you're on the <clears> clock <throat> you just move up a little bit so now it's like, dang, they're in striking distance to, to cut off a running back. So now if you're Buffalo, you're like, you're sweating. You know, you're like, geez, you know, it was, if you're Dallas, obviously they wouldn't trade with Dallas. But if you, you're sweating, you're like, man, okay, now you have, you know, when if you're the Giants, the whole while you want a cornerback or whatnot. If Buffalo calls you to inquire about Saquon in exchange for their first round pick, that's a hard that is is cause now you can take the running back and you could take the B. John Robinson or the Jameer Gibbs and come away with another first round pick in the same class to take another guy. Like would you would you make that happen?
1: Oh, I gotta consider that one, Em. I gotta consider that one. But that's a that's that's a big time move by Joe Shane. And uh, we'll we'll see if he's uh we'll see if he's got the guts to make that move. Anyway, I think that's a great spot for us to end. Um, Why don't you, you know, quickly just let folks know where they can get your guide uh, if uh, if they haven't purchased it already. And once again, folks, spend the money. It's worth it.
2: Listen, and I appreciate that. Ed. They can go to footballgameplan.com slash 2023 draft guide. It's the largest draft guide out. Over 1,000 individual scouting reports. We told you the numbers at 1,065. You're going to be a well-rounded fan. You get a good idea of what these guys can do. Whether you agree with my rankings or not, at least you know. One, I put in the work to watch the film. You get a good idea of what these guys can or can't do or where they have to improve, what their strengths are. Um, and it gives you a little bit more information about the entire draft class because I feel like the whole draft cycle, we only talk about the first round. We only talk about the same twenty to twenty-five players and we know the draft is bigger than that. So you get a full color PDF file of over a thousand scouting reports at footballgameplan.com slash twenty twenty-three draft guide.
1: All right. You know, I talked to uh, I talked to Matt Waldman the other day. I talked to you here today and and you know, I love talking to you guys, but you guys always make me feel like like you know i realize how much i don't know when i talk <laughs> to you guys it's
2: like man i thought i was i thought i had this under control well we in the lines for you man we 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 <laughs> we fill in the gaps is that's why we are a team like you build the ship we fill in certain parts of the ship and that's how we keep it moving on the water
1: there you go appreciate it m thank you very very much i'm guessing that uh Talking about keeping the line moving, I'm guessing you've got someone else to talk to here shortly, so we're going to let you go. (laughs) Appreciate it as always. Giants fans, thank you as always for listening. Take care, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye now.
0: More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals.